think you, most of you know me well enough to know that when it comes to the church, I always like to be positive. But sometimes we have to be realistic. The headline in the Christian Chronicle back in April of 2015 was about the decline of the church in the 21st century. Doug shared with us last week how that the church is, is losing one congregation about every six days on average. Many congregations are either closing their doors or they're merging with another congregation or some of them are trying to uh, gain members by compromising the truth. These tactics all failed because the decline comes about because of a lack of loyalty and devotion to God and a lack of a desire to win the lost to Christ. If as Christian soldiers we put on the whole armor of God, we will be able to defeat Satan and stop that downward trend. I wonder if the Lord could say of many of his people today what he said to the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2 and verse, verse 4. When he said, I have this against you, that you have lost your first love. Do we still have the same zeal and determination to live for God that we had when we were first baptized into Christ? Do we still carry the same desire and love for the lost? Do we pray as, fre as frequently and as fervently as we used to? We must all recognize the need to rise up against this challenge that we, no doubt is coming from Satan. Some may ask, but what can, what can we do? I want us to look at the lives of four lepers who worked together to save the kingdom. Now I want us to begin by looking at 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 24. We find that Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And verse 25 says, there was a great famine in Samaria. Now that's a, a, a vast understatement. It says that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver. I don't know a whole lot you would do with a donkey's head, but it was expensive. And about a pint of dove droppings sold for five shekels of silver. And I don't even want to think about what they did with that. In verse 26, a woman cried out to the king of Israel for help. And her complaint was shocking. When the king saw that she was in great distress, 2 Kings 6 verses 28 and 29 says, Then the king said to her, What is troubling you? And she answered, This woman said to me, Give me your son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him, 
And I said to her on the next day, give, me, give your son that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. If that doesn't make you sick to your stomach, nothing will. This certainly illustrates the severity of the famine. To say that the king was angry and upset would be a gross understatement. The king blamed Elisha for the plight, and he swore vengeance upon him. Notice verse 31. The king said, God do so to me and more also if the head of Elisha the son of Shaphat remains on him. But the famine was not Elisha's fault. He had not brought that condition on Israel. God was punishing the people because they had turned away from him. But as we continue in our text, we'll find that four lepers were aroused to save the city. On 2 Kings chapter 7, the first verse talks about a measure, and I tried to do research and couldn't find out a whole lot about it, but it seems to be around seven courts, and I want to use that as uh, for our study tonight. The amount doesn't really matter a whole lot, but it kind of helps us understand a little better. But Elisha proclaimed in verse 1, that tomorrow about seven quarts of fine flour would sell for one shekel and about 14 quarts of barley would sell for one shekel at the gate of Samaria. Now what a, what a change. 80 shekels for a donkey's head, five shekels for a pint of bird droppings. The next day they can get large quantities of flour and barley for one shekel. Well, the people scoffed at this, thinking that there was no way that that would be possible. In fact, an officer of the king said in verse 2, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And Elisha said confidently, In fact, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And then we come to verse 3 that says, Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? And I think this is a question that every Christian today ought to be asking. If the church is declining the way statistics tell us that it is, why are we sitting here until we die? Notice verse 4. The leopard said, If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall but die. Now think about the situation. This terrible famine is going on. There's very little hope that things are going to improve. Death becomes an unseen phone that is stalking everyone. And if there's a famine, who's going to be the first ones to suffer? It's going to be beggars like these lepers. And yet, 
It was this group of four lepers, unclean, hopeless beggars, who were the ones that decided to try to do something about it. They seemed to have very little to live for. Couldn't work. They were lepers. They were outcast. I don't know how long they had survived by sitting there at the gate begging for people to, to help them. And now people couldn't even take care of themselves. But they had three choices. They said, well, we could enter the city. With the famine going on, we're going to die. We could sit here by the gate. and We're going to die because people are not going to help us. But you know, if we turned ourselves in to the Syrians, they might kill us, but that would, might be a better death than starving to death. But you know, they may keep us alive. And that was their only hope. And so they decided to do what they could. But where God is concerned, there is no hopeless situation. These men knew that they only had one hope. It might be slight, but it was, it was there. And they decided to act upon it. Though almost always, everyone else would count them as hopeless and helpless, yet they paved the way to life. Look at 2 Kings 7 and verse 5. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians, and when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. Because they were willing to act, God acted with and for them. Verse 6, For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to another, Look, the king of Israel is hired against us, the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to at attack us. And so they immediately left everything and fled for their lives. It hadn't been very long before this when the city was surrounded by a great army of the Syrians with horses and chariots that Elisha had said back in chapter 6 in verse 16, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. We're asked in Romans 8 in verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If we're on God's side doing things the way God wants them done, and we know that he's promised to help us, why should we fear anything? We're promised in 1 John 4 and verse 4. You're of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Well, the Syrians had deserted their camp, leaving it intact. Their tents were there. Their horses were there. Their donkeys were there. As they fled for their lives, verse 7 of 2 Kings 7. Verse 8 says, And when these lepers came into the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and scattered another tent and carried them from, uh, some from there also and went and hid it. 
I've camped in a tent before, <laughs> but their tent was nothing like the tent I've stayed in. They had gold and silver and clothing and all kinds of things, all kinds of food. But these four lepers were men of compassion and men who had a conscience. Verse 9, we read, Then they said to one another, We are not doing what is right. This is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. They recognized that they had the words of salvation for the whole city of Samaria, perhaps for the kingdom. And so they went into the city and told the people the good news. The people of Samaria were skeptical at first. They thought the Syrians were setting a trap and they'd go out there and, and kill them instantly. But at the suggestion of one of the servants, some men were sent out to ascertain if this were true. Notice verses 14 and 15. Therefore they took two chariots with horses, and the king sent them in the direction of the Syrian army, saying, Go and see. And they went after them to the Jordan, and indeed all the road was full of the garments and weapons which the Syrians had thrown away in their haste. So the messengers returned and told the king. And so these messengers go, they find out it's just like they said. They come back and tell the people. Verse 16 says, then the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. What was the result of their going out and plundering all the things out of the tents of the Syrians? Just as Elisha had stated, again, I'm not sure about the amounts, but about seven quarts of fine flour were sold for one shekel, and 14 quarts of barley were sold for one shekel. In verse 17, we find that the officer of the king who had scoffed at what Elisha had said is the man they put in charge of the gate. And the people trampled him in the stampede, and he died. And did not eat of it, just as Elisha had said. He saw it with his eyes, but he did not benefit from it. I want us tonight to consider carefully what the four lepers did to save a city. Israel was besieged by Syria. And today, Satan is trying to capture God's people, the Christians. We have the words of obedience and deliverance. Ours is a spiritual siege, whereas theirs was physical. Peter warns us in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so we need to always be on the alert. Satan is crafty, he's intelligent, he's looking for opportunities where we are weak, where we may let, let down our guard. We're engaged in an all-out war. And Satan is going to do everything in his power to try to destroy us. We live in a terrible famine. Israel had a severe famine. We've talked about 
how severe it was. But it wasn't nearly as tragic as the famine that we're in today. Isaiah prophesied in, in or Amos rather, in Amos 8 and verse 11. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the, on the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the word of the Lord. We're in a famine today. So many people are not taking advantage of opportunities to hear the word of the Lord. There are multiplied millions of people alive today who have never heard the gospel of Christ. The world is starving for the gospel. Just like these four lepers, we have the food that can save them. When we think about the millions of lost people, we usually think about people in other countries. But we have friends and neighbors and relatives living all around us who are suffering from spiritual malnutrition. So many people are lusting for worldly things. It may not be donkey's heads or bird droppings, they're sacrificing the souls of their children. They're allowing in their homes things much worse than donkeys' heads and bird droppings. They're destroying the lives and the souls of not only their children, but them as well. Do we have the spiritual aggressiveness and determination to meet the challenges that Satan is putting in front of us? We need to take dynamic, forceful action just like the four lepers did. God has given us a great commission. Go into all the world, to every nation, preach the gospel to every creature. That is our mission. It's time for us to act upon it. It was only when the lepers acted that Samaria was saved. It was only when they spread the word that Samaria triumphed over the famine. And our world today is going to continue in the spiritual famine they're in unless we spread the word. The question is, will we meet the challenge? We can't say we're helpless at the threat of Satan. God does not know any helpless situation. God can increase our strength and enable us to carry out that commission. Paul says in Ephesians 3 and verse 20 that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Are we asking? Are we thinking? Are we dreaming? about taking the world for Christ. You cannot dream too big for God. God is able to do more than we can even think about. As was asked of Esther in Esther 4 and verse 14, who knows 
whether you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Only eternity will reveal what you and I can accomplish if we will do our part, if we will ask God to help us, to give us strength, to give us the courage and the conviction to go out to those who are lost. Remember that God used four lepers to save Samaria. Remember that beginning with just 12 apostles, the gospel was preached to every creature under heaven in one generation. Colossians 1 and verse 23. 2 Kings 7 and verse 9. They said, we are not doing what is right. Today is a day of good news and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now therefore come and let us go and tell. Brethren, that's what we need to do. We need to go and tell. In Romans 13 and verse 11, Paul says, And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we believed. Well, we would determine tonight that we're going to do more. We're going to put forth a greater effort to reach the lost souls around us than we've ever done before. The lepers cried out, why are we sitting here until we die? The church needs to ask ourselves that same question. Are we going to sit here until we die? Are we going to go out and do our part? Are we going to pray for each other? To have a greater zeal and love for the lost? In Matthew 9, verses 37 and 38, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We need to be honest with ourselves. The church as a whole is declining. It should never happen. It should never happen. If we keep doing what we've been doing, it's going to continue to recline. We must turn it around. God has given us the commission. Let's pray for one another. Let's encourage one another. Let's determine that we want God to work through us. If God can save Samaria through four lepers, God can save today's world with all the Christians that we have. Tonight, maybe you've decided that this is the night you want to become a Christian. We'd love to assist you in that. Maybe you've decided, I need prayers for strength. Maybe you have some burdens that you're facing that you need help with. We'd be glad, more than happy to pray with you and for you. Whatever your need, if you can come right now while we stand and as we sing.